The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. I'm excited. I'm here with Jared McDonald. Jared, are you? Hello. This is your first podcast. Yeah, first are you excited? Podcast. I got to tell you a little bit about Jared. Jared has just joined. He's he's a former ED um, in City Creek in in uh, Milestone in Utah, um, and now he's here in the service center. He's our I can't remember title like director of people development. People is development. People. Yeah. So he's. But but you have to know a little bit more. Jared, I learned recently he wanted to learn how to surf and how to speak Spanish. So what did you do? You went to Ecuador, right? I did. I booked a For how six, long? six weeks in Ecuador. You were six on, on your own? On my own. In hostels and yep. you didn't speak Spanish? Didn't speak Spanish. Didn't know how to surf either. You made friends? <laughs> Still don't and, know how to surf or speak Spanish. Oh, okay. Well, six weeks. Uh, but he's kind of, you know, one of those people that uh, you're about to run your first marathon. Yes, end of the right. month. I, I always wonder if people who run marathons know they don't have to. <laughs> I just want to make sure yeah, you know. I've questioned this. So, so with that, I have to start. I, have you ever been to Death Valley? I, I have. Valley yeah. is. You didn't, you, sounds like the kind of place you'd <laughs> no, vacation. No, I went to the dunes. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Like driving around uh-huh. the dune buggy? That was That's cool. awesome. So, so they say, and this is the, uh, they say it's so hot there and dry that nothing grows there. Right. I mean, the the hottest temperature ever recorded on the entire Earth was there in Death Valley, uh, July 10th. That's today. It's the anniversary of that. So you, those of you that are listening, this, you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh, I only know it's July 10th because it's my daughter's uh, ninth birthday today. But this is 1913, and the hottest temperature ever, 134 degrees. So the but uh, there's an interesting story and and this podcast that we're going to be doing is based on the book Trust and Inspire by Stephen M R Covey, Stephen Covey Jr., most famously the little boy from Green and Clean, right? Like this is his lived experience, which is pretty exciting, but he tells the story in his book. He says in the winter of 2004 in Death Valley, an amazing 6 inches of rain fell over a, a brief period of time. And in the spring of 2005, observers were stunned. What do you think they saw? A blanket of wildflowers covering the floor of the desert. So there was a TED Talk. You can look this up by his name, Sir Kenneth Robinson. He says, we need to stop calling it Death Valley and we need to start calling it Dormant Valley. Because after all, it's not dead. It's just dormant waiting for the right conditions. So I love, as you talk about that, the visual, visualization, because interest and inspire, I mean, honestly, when I think about my job as a leader, it's really to be in charge of creating the right conditions to awaken the potential within people. Yeah. And the book really points out several times that you say the power is in the seed. And we might have people on our teams that honestly, sometimes we will say, hey, they, they seem <laughs> terrible. No. <laughs> They're not the right fit. No, no, no. Maybe that's a nicer way to yeah. say it, not yeah. the right fit. Uh-huh. Uh, but if we could just change the conditions, then they would flourish. Yeah. 
And it's like that cynic video that you often talk about with the uh, coffee barista where yeah, he's he had in one, one job. place. Yeah, he was at Four Seasons. and He's awesome. Awesome. Amazing. But then at Caesar Palace. He's not good. And one, not good. Yeah, it's... I. I look, that's why sometimes people say, oh, I love the ensign model of uh, servant leadership. I really prefer the term gardener leadership. I know that sounds kind of lame and I don't know, maybe it's not anything that's going to stick. But if you realize the power is in the seed, you realize your job is just to, to create the conditions, right? But the problem is we're so much more naturally conditioned to be command and control, whether I'm talking about leadership or parenting, right? I mean, the example, get in the car. Kids, get in the car. Well, it's easier that way. Why, Dad? <laughs> yeah, because I said so. Yeah. I'm your father. I have a, I have a title. We, and we want efficiency. I mean, if you've, ever, if you've ever said, and I've heard leaders say this, I just wish my people would listen to me. That is the desire of a command and control leader. In fact, I, you know, it's, it's hit me that... I've sometimes realized in my past and, and sometimes in my present that I'm a command and control leader because I'm sort of trying to motivate people rather than inspiring them. So let's dig a, a little bit deeper. I want to know that motivation versus inspire. Yeah. Uh, the premise of the book, it he compares a lot of the times between command and control leaders, yeah. which you mentioned earlier, versus those trust and inspire yeah. leaders. So we need to figure out which we are. Yeah, and he really mm -hmm. digs into both the trust side of things and then mm -hmm. also the inspire side of things. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping we can clarify both of those terms here. Um, <laughs> let's let's start really here with the, the inspire side of things. And in particular, the difference between, I mean, you just mentioned motivating yeah. and inspiring people. Have you ever, I mean, that's one of the differences that hits me in this book. Oh, there's a difference? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you think, well, I'm motivating right. them. That must be inspiring them. Isn't right. it one and the same? Yeah. And... He says people here, he says that people yearn to be inspired and the inspiration to our existence, he says, is like air to our lungs. Yeah. And there's also a quote here. It says, Albert Schweitzer, he said, in everyone's life at some point, our inner fire goes out. Mm -hmm. It is then burst into flames by an encounter with another human being. We should all be thankful for those people who rekindle our inner spirits. Yeah. And so... I guess help us understand the difference really here between inspiring people versus, I guess, motivating. Is there a difference? Yeah, and I like that quote because it's funny. When I, I really want, and I think this book will be our focus book for next year, Trust and Inspire. Um, when I sent this book out to the Service Center Leadership Group, I, Christopher's email, his response to the group, he said, he said, while I don't think any of us need to motivate the exceptional leaders surrounding us, Every human needs to be inspired again and again and again, right? Like we, I don't, I don't feel like I need you to motivate me, but I do need inspiration. I do need something to drive me. I, you know, there's, there's an interesting study that's quoted in the book. It's by someone named Jack Zanger and Joe Folkman. I don't know who they are, but they're quoted in the <laughs> book. So I'm assuming they have some credibility. And they were talking about the most important aspects of leadership. And they said, we're not suggesting that there is a single silver bullet for leadership. But the ability of leaders to inspire those about them comes the closest thing to being that all-powerful solution. We simply cannot overemphasize how robust and dominant it is. To be inspiring, to realize that's my job. So now, I didn't even get to your question of, of inspiration versus motivation. And 
I, I don't know if you've ever heard, you, you know how to push my buttons, right? Call me a motivational speaker, right? And, and, that, and, that, and that drives me crazy. Clay, you're so profound. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We have that on record, right? Yes. You have that recorded. Um, I, look, I, I, it's funny because Stephen Covey in his book, and I, I took a picture of this and I sent it to several people, where, where he said, I, sometimes I'm introduced as a motivational speaker and he says that it doesn't sit right with me. And I just thought, yes, thank you. That's always how I felt. But, but, um, you know, Simon Sinek said this, he said, there are only two ways to influence human behavior. Okay. Two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. Okay. So think about that first one, manipulate it a, a little bit, um, we're, we're sort of equating a little bit with motivating, right? You can motivate or manipulate people by fear, by surprise, even devotion to numbers can, can motivate and, and manipulate, right? Inspiration's different. And we're going to talk more about it at length in this podcast. But when you tell, when, when people tell you that you inspire them, like, think about that. Somebody says, boy, you inspire me. You now sort of have this sense of stewardship, right? Where you're thinking, boy, I better continue to, like, I need to live up to that. I need to model that, something that, and this isn't, inspiring them is is so much different than just giving them a reward or a bonus. That's motivating them, right? And I'm not, again, not saying those things are bad, and we'll talk about that, but but we're trying to inspire them by helping another person improve their life and, and, and improve their meaning, their, their impact. And this is why our job as leaders really needs to be, I mean, I've, you've heard me say CROs. We need to be chief reminding officers. We need to be CIOs. We need to be chief inspirational officers. Your very job as a leader, and again, you don't need a title to be a leader. You need to be there to inspire people, to, to bolster their confidence. But, and I, I, you, you clarified this a couple of times that, you know, motivating isn't bad, Yeah, but, but it's not great. Are we I, equating though, like this manipulating people to motivating them? I mean, what is motivations it, then? If, it does if seem not... like a fine line and I don't know if I'm going to, I'm, I might frustrate you here. I'm not sure I'm going to fully answer that question, but I remember thinking as a young leader, I, and I said this to people, I sort of feel like a SeaWorld trainer. You jump through this hoop, I'm going to throw you a fish, right? You do what I want you to do, and that's that's motivating them. That is that is manipulating them. Do this, and I'll give you what you want. And that's sort of a transactional leadership. It's not it's not inspiring. It's it is motivating. And if you and and don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of incentive plans. I think we should use incentive plans. We do use incentive plans. Our successful leaders use incentive plans. We believe in celebration and accountability. But Lencioni says this in one of his videos. He says money needs to be a satisfier and not a driver, right? If if money becomes the driver instead of uh, instead of a why, instead of a connection to a why, then we're we're probably going to fail at inspiring as a leader. But I mean, you can motivate with a carrot. Or a stick, right? Go forward, I'll give you a carrot. Or go forward, or I'll give you the stick. That's, you know, fear is motivation, too. And and it's the lowest level of motivation. I've always said fear, uh, duty, and then love. Fear being at the bottom, duty, and then, and then love being the highest motivation. 
And, you know, the prevailing premise behind motivation is that we even need to be moved to do something. You need to convince me. Well, why am I going to do it if you're not giving me something for doing it? As opposed to inspiring, that's different. Co Covey says, th this might help a little bit. Uh, Covey is telling us, inspiration is all about helping people find their inner drive, their inner spark. To inspire rather than require. I like that, right? To inspire. We, see, we try and require. We set up all of our compliance. and All these, the this reasons is, why they have to do yes, something. Yes. And if you don't, these are the punishments. And and uh, and by the way, I think those things are needed. Mm -hmm. but, but that's that's to compensate for our lack of inspiration, right? We need to give people their own sense of purpose. They're, they have to feel like their work matters. Or, or even more importantly, I think a better way... They need to know that they matter. And so your job as a leader is to make sure that they know that they matter and why they matter. See, command and control leaders is different. They, they love that carrot and the stick. But if you don't learn, I, I, I honestly have seen this with, uh, and I give a shout out to, to Jeremy Bowen. I, I've seen him very much switch from a transactional leader and his transactions were good, his incentive plans were good, to becoming a relational leader. Someone who's connecting with people and, and giving them a why. Again, transactions can and should occur, but maybe stop asking yourself, why aren't my people motivated? And instead, every leader right now, I hope they learn to ask themselves the question, how can I better inspire those that I lead? I've... It just as you're talking about that need for connection, and you gave the example of Jeremy, and the need for us to really find ways to connect and engage and inspire our people. I've, um, knowing, preparing for, knowing that I was going to be on this podcast, uh -huh. I've now listened to the book a couple times. Okay, good. Um, I would say read, but I listen to all the books I read. Um, and honestly, the more I, I read it and as I listen to you talk, this principle is honestly essential that we figure out how to switch between yeah. just commanding, controlling, and then actually looking, how do we really inspire and I think a lot of that has to do with the cha the way the world's changed. Yeah. Really, the need and, and how we lead is changed. Command and control is not going to work anymore. It's not. It really isn't. And I know some people equate it to being the, this fluffy, oh, we have it. It's not. And I think we'll yeah. get into that even in this podcast and later podcasts. Being trust and inspire has nothing to do with fluff. It really yeah. doesn't. Um, and uh, Peter Drucker, he has a quote that he said, for the first time, and he's speaking about the people yeah. and our people. He said, for the first time, they will have to manage themselves, and society is totally unprepared for it. And he it. said this before COVID, yeah. right? He said this before all of these things happen and people start working at a distance, yeah. I, I mean, really, this command and control, like you said, it just it won't work anymore. Yeah. And um, we think of the competition, and, and the reality is, uh, I guess Mark Parkinson in our most recent annual meeting, he's the president and CEO of the American Healthcare Association. And... In that meeting, he said, and he spoke to us, he said, those who win at employee engagement yeah. will win in the end. Yeah. And I feel like when I hear employee engagement, as I read this book, I'm realizing that engagement is that it's it's far more than motivation. Yeah. It really is inspiration. Yep. And we've got to learn. And if we want to, to beat out our competition, we want to win the competition, we have to learn how to inspire. Because right now, it's sort of gone from employees were a little bit of a commodity yeah. And and now we're the commodity and we need to change and not be the commodity anymore. We have to be something different yeah. for them. Okay. So I feel like we've introduced clearly inspire. Yeah. Uh, what what about trust? 
So I I hope, again, shameless plug, I, I hope you'll go back and listen to our podcast on, on Stephen's book, the book prior to this one called The Speed of Trust. It's episode 39 and 40 if you want to go back and listen to those because we get really in-depth into trust. But there, there are some things that we can add here to those ep- episodes. Um, to be trusted, uh, I... I, everybody listening, I hope they think of a time when real significant trust was put on them. And it's powerful. Think, think of what that does for you. Think, think about how you feel when someone says and means and, and just, I trust you. I trust that you, I can think of times in this job when certain uh, duties or, or responsibilities have been given to me. And I didn't even feel like I was ready for those, but I wanted to, I didn't want to let them down. Um, I, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt said this, uh, the, one of the quotes from the book, she said, a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. That's sort of the multiplier effect, right? You, you build someone when you learn to extend smart trust to them. And I, I say smart trust. I, I don't know how much we'll get into smart trust, but it's not saying just trust everybody mm-hmm. blindly, right? But, but extending smart trust. If we're, if we're hiring someone, we're telling them we trust them, and, and yet we hire people and then set up all these systems showing that we don't trust them, right? Yeah. And, and so extending that smart trust. And I... Uh, look, I'm telling you right now, any any leader listening to this, if you have high turnover or you struggle to keep your people, you have to assume you have a low trust culture. I, I can't imagine a high trust culture um, with with high turnover. I think that's interesting. I mean, the, the trust side of things and like looking inward, I feel like oftentimes when things aren't going right, if I'm in a facility and and I was in a facility and that, you know, when we had higher turnover, I was always looking outside of like, What's going wrong? Like, yeah. what is everyone else doing that's yeah. causing the problem rather yeah. than looking inward and saying, is there some way I'm leading yeah. that is creating this window this in the mirrors? Yeah. Right? Window in the mirrors. Look, and, and and if you really want the high performers, guess where the high performers want to be? They want to be in high trust cultures. They don't want somebody micromanaging them. They don't want to have a command and control leader. So if you want to attract the high performers. Look, listen to these some of these statistics. Millennials are 22 times more likely to stay in a company with a high trust culture. And go back and listen to the other podcasts so that you can know what what are the signs of a high trust and a low trust culture. Hmm. People are 14 times more likely to be fully engaged when they can trust their immediate leader. Right? Like that trust between the boss and employee uh and 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 think about this. Look, I like this quote from the book. It says, engaged employees plan to stay for what they can give. Disengaged employees plan to stay for what they can get. Think of, So if I'm a disengaged mm. employee, everything I do is, well, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. But if what I'm am engaged, yeah, what am I getting out of this? This is the, my JFK test, right? Ask not what your country can do for mm-hmm. you, but instead what you ask. Not, the engaged employees are saying, what more can I give? What more can I do, right? So you want... And, and what and, more as a leader would you want? Yeah. Having a group of people that are looking, what more can I do? Exactly. And and there's a line of you, you, you have satisfied employees, which used to be what we see. We just want job satisfaction. The next step up is engaged employees... But and that's always where I've been having. I mean, I've done a lot of training on on en- employee engagement, right? He says there's a higher higher level, and that's inspired employees, 
right? And and here's the statistic. Inspired employees are the most productive employees by far, a remarkable 56% more productive than engaged employees, and a whopping 125% more productive than satisfied employees. Want to get the best out of your people? Be an inspirational leader, not a motivational leader, an inspirational leader. And and yeah, we've got a lot to unpack there. Look, here's the thing. If you're trying to manage your people rather than lead them, I just wish they'd do what I say, you know, other things like that. It won't always go poorly, but it will rarely go great. You will, th- this is sort of the accidental diminishers. They, they give a, an object lesson on this. Um, I don't know. You sound like a person that might have pet fleas. You don't have pet fleas in the jar, do you? No? <laughs> no. So, okay. So they do this flea example where, where the fleas are placed in a jar and they jump right out of the jar. Okay. If you put a lid on, they start hitting the lid. But over time, the fleas will only jump high enough to avoid hitting the lid. Then they can take off the lid and the fleas won't jump out of the jar. Because they've been trained so much, they've been managed so much, they'll stop jumping that high. And this is what our people are doing. They, they just don't want to get in trouble. Your people aren't doing great things because they don't want to get in trouble. And this is why people ask stupid questions like, can I ask a question? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you think, well, of I, course we, you can ask a we question. We see it all the time, though. We see it all the time. And that's anytime you hear something like that, you've got to look in. And this is, you know, some of my people are listening to this go, oh, I've asked Clay that question. <laughs> right? And so Clay internally looks and says, okay, what am I doing that makes them not feel and safe? And it's that opportunity for a leader to look inward and say, what am I? Not yeah. what are they not? What have I created? Exactly. What environment am I creating? And so command and control or, or managing people, it creates a dependency on you. You get calls from your facility constantly, you're probably a command and control leader. I want to repeat that. DONs, EDs, are you, when you step out of your building, are people just calling you frequently? It's, that is a sign that you are a command and control leader and they don't know how to lead in your absence because you've not inspired them to lead. You've probably motivated your team to compliance, coordination, and, and maybe some slow improvement. But until you realize what they could be doing, like by inspiring them, right, with with commitment, collaboration, creative innovation, it, the, it, the whole word inspire, it, it comes from a Latin word. I'm not going to try inspirare or I don't know, something like that, <laughs> you know, don't, don't try but, that it, again. but it's, it, it's Latin for to breathe life into, right? And, and until you learn to inspire them, you don't realize what your people, your very people, some of whom that you think probably are not that great, could be. And look, I, I love the, the phrase. He says this in the book. He says, leadership isn't a position. We've talked about that a lot. It's a choice. It's not a title. Choose to inspire. You can do this as a CNA, as a housekeeper, as a laundry worker. As soon as you choose to inspire, you become a leader. So I've got to go back to your flea example, and yeah. I maybe I'm going to buy a jar of fleas to see if okay. this is real. <laughs> I can see you doing that. <laughs> well, we'll see. What but it, it feels like we do put a lid on those fleas, and a lot of it's because we're trying to prevent people from jumping out. Yeah. I mean, that that's not always a bad things. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have the core values, intelligent risk-taking, ownership, accountability, yeah. But if we're being honest <laughs> and an actual practice. We're going to take an honesty break in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do we really want people taking dumb risks? Um, yeah. And 
in order to prevent that, and especially like in the demanding high stressful situations that we're often find ourselves in, don't we need to sometimes use the yeah. command and control? Most people listening right now are saying yes. And they're going to say the example of if my kid runs in the street and a car is coming, I'm going to use command and control. Well, uh, I'm in the middle of survey. I'm sitting I'm in the middle of survey and yes. I've got the surveyor walking around the yeah. corner. What do I do? So I'm not going to do this answer justice. I, I'm, I'm hoping everybody reads the book, but I'm going to give you Stephen's uh, I'm going to give you a, 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 a summary of Stephen's response to that. He says, Stephen M. R. Covey says, by the proper understanding of command and control, the short answer is no. You never want to lead by command and control. And that includes when that toddler is running out in the street. So hear me out. For everybody's like turning off the podcast or well, you know, in reality, that just me, is that what we doesn't. do. Okay, so so here, according to Covey, now quote. Always being a trust and inspire leader doesn't mean that you never command someone or act with authority or even dole out discipline. Okay. So a trust and inspire leader doesn't mean you don't say, Joey, stop running towards the street and running and grabbing Joey. Okay. A trust and inspire leader can do all of those things. And in the case of the toddler running into a road, such a leader absolutely should. But when a moment like that comes... Trust and inspire leaders have already built credibility and relationships that allow them to act decisively as needed, yet with integrity. So their behavior is interpreted completely differently becomes, because it comes from a different place, unquote. Okay, so trust and inspire doesn't mean you never issue a command. It doesn't mean, it just means it's your, it's your attitude towards your people. That's what's different, right? So, so there will be times when you're going to have to act with authority. And he says this. He says, you can be authoritative without being authoritarian. Okay, mm -hmm. there's a little gem for you. Wrap that one up. <laughs> stick it in your pocket. There will be times when you can't extend trust. And there will be times when you have to correct someone's behavior. But here's the clarification. But there is never a time not to see each person you interact with as someone with potential. Not just to stop behaving in a certain way, to be, but to become great in spite of that behavior. It's, it's kind of leadership and self-deception stuff, right? It's your attitude towards that person that truly differs. Are they somebody that needs to be managed? You, you manage things, lead people. If you find yourself managing people, you're a command and control leader. So, so he says, trust and inspire is a lens for life and a, a way of being that is different from command and control because maybe this will help. Command and control creates fear of making mistakes so that they try to prevent mistakes and inefficiencies. I want to make you afraid to make that mistake. People need to feel psychological safety in order to take intelligent risks. Have you ever been in a training when I said, okay, raise your hand if, if you as a leader want your people to make mistakes? Right. This is the whole point I'm trying to get to with that. Trust and inspire leaders realize that innovation flourishes when there's a collision of differences, when people do have different opinions. Right. And and the greater the contrast in those differences, the greater the potential of innovation. And so they want people to they, they want to extend that trust so that people can wrap themselves up in psychological safety and then inspire them to do the right thing. And he's going to point out later on that that's actually a better way to control people is by inspiring them. Manage things 
lead people. Be, be efficient with things and effective with people. Does that make sense? So here, here's another quote from the book. And, and I know we're, we're wrapping up this first podcast here. Um, authoritarian, remember how I said there's that, that triangle. The lowest level is, is fear to motivate. The next level is duty. It's the right thing to do. The highest level is love. Why, why do we believe? Why is that a core value of love one another? So he says authoritarian command and control operates out of fear. So he's going to distinguish. So there's authoritarian command and control. Do this or you get the stick. What can I, what can I do to you? Like I can punish you if you don't do this. That's, it creates blind obedience. I just don't want to get in trouble. Now the next level, enlightened command and control. Still command and control, but it's enlightened. It's a little more elevated, right? It operates out of transactional fairness and exchange. This is sort of motivation, right? What can I do for you and you for me? Jump through this hoop and I'm going to give you a fish, right? Well, it's looking at people <clears throat> more as the object. The what more are as an object. For me yeah. versus and I'll just reward you if you do. Grow. Yeah. And y you can still be a good leader. Yep. But yep. I mean, I guess it's that. So that's enlightened command and control. And that creates informed acquiescence. Right? So we've gone from blind obedience, okay, I'll just do what you asked me to do, to informed acquiescence. And now the last one, a trust and inspire leader operates out of inspiration and purpose. What can I do with you? And that creates self-governance. You see the difference? Kind of follow those three. So no, we shouldn't be manipulating people's behaviors through fear. Slightly better, but still not as great as getting people to do things because you'll throw them a fish. Although again, caveat, I'm a big fan of incentive plans, but that should be a satisfier, not a driver. We need to be inspiring them to do the right thing, trusting them to do it. And then as a satisfier, providing them a reward. Not as a driver, but as a, as a recognition. That's, that's celebration. That's the core value. We need to become relational, not transactional. We need to be persuasive, not coercive. And I, I keep thinking about the times when I felt the need to command and control and to lead in that way. And I can't think of a time when I wanted to do that, that it didn't stem out of this fear. Yeah. This fear that all of a sudden I would lose control. And yeah. I feel like it's in the title alone in the command and control. I, I needed that control often because I felt like things weren't going the way they should go. Or I felt like maybe we we're in a situation where, you know, the building's burning down. I've got to control and I've got to lead that way. But and absent of you telling them what to do and motivating them to do something, you're operating on the assumption they won't do the right thing. But if you trust and inspire them, they will. And that's the thing. I want people to do the right thing, whether I'm there or not. And I want people yeah. to feel that trust, to know that I trust them to bring us to that next level, that I want them. It's the whole succession plan thing. Who are Who is going to bring us to that next level? And, and are we treating them and leading them a way that they, they can actually lead and... and fill that yeah. full responsibility yeah. so all right i think we've set good up a pretty clarity good introduction between command and control and yeah. trust and inspire I, th I think that lays a good groundwork so i i guess let's break here yeah podcast one yeah, and, yeah. And pod podcast, podcast number, number one, one. it's <laughs> a wrap <laughs> thanks jared <laughs>